Did you know that Starbucks has opened about two stores every day since 1987? That's a lot of latte. Today, in this 8 stock reveal video, I'll be doing a deep analysis of Starbucks, as well as share my dividend portfolio along with any dividends I've received since my last video. So I'll cover Starbucks industry, history, competitors, financials, business strategies, leadership, concerns and risks you need to be aware of, what price I would buy it at, and a bunch of other useful information you need to know if you want to increase your odds of getting wealthy with dividend investing. Starbucks is my 18th largest stock by market value in my dividend portfolio. After this video, I've got another 17 stocks to go until my entire portfolio is revealed. Starbucks is in the restaurant business and makes over 90% of its money by selling coffee and other products. Each week they serve over 100 million customers. I love Starbucks. I know, I know, 20 cent coffees and avocado toast. I also love my Nespresso at home, but man do I enjoy the experience of going into a Starbucks. It's like a day version of a bar where you go in, see old friends, meet new ones, or maybe just go into the fun atmosphere and do some work on your laptop. So it stokes me to think that they are paying me now by simply owning the stock. Now watch this quick video of the Sanchez family, who's been growing coffee beans for five generations. Okay, perfect. Right? List? Sí. Okay. La historia de la candenilla la unión de la familia apoyar en todo a ellos. Me encanta compartir mi esfuerzo diario, mi amor por el trabajo, mi amor por el café. Okay, on to Starbucks. This was one of the many stocks where I stood on the sidelines and watched it run up while hoping for a decent dip before getting in. Man, I'm stupid. I kept waiting like an idiot, and it just kept running. Needless to say, this isn't the first stock where I waited for a pullback, but it kept running. Sometimes it might make sense just to get in, because a few decades from now, if it's a quality company, do you really think a few bucks will matter? But I like good margins of safety, so sometimes I've missed out. I can't recall what happened, but some negative news came out about Starbucks and they started dipping, so I decided to get in. Either they were closing stores in the US or China or something like that, and the stock started trending down. This was especially a tough buy for me because my wife felt that Starbucks' best days were behind them, so she wasn't keen about investing in them. But she trusted me to do what I thought was right for our family, and you can see how we've been rewarded, as in just nine months it's gone up over 35% from when I made my entire buy in January of this year. What do you mean? It's like I have ESPN or something. I usually don't directly dollar cost average into any position because all the studies have shown that statistically you do better when you lump sum invest rather than dollar cost average, even though the latter is easier psychologically. So when I'm ready to jump into something new, I don't tip my toes in, I go in. Now, all that being said, don't invest just because I invest in something. There are so many factors you need to consider which differ from me. Your risk tolerance, your security, the market conditions, your portfolio allocation, the price you're comfortable at, etc. Your situation is totally different than mine. So while it's interesting to listen to other people's input on YouTube or at work or during Thanksgiving dinner with your in-laws, you ultimately need to make the decision. It's your hard-earned cash. And uh, let me just give you an example of what I mean. There are a lot of big stock people saying not to touch Starbucks when I jumped into it. And to me, that's one of the most challenging things I've learned in investing, which is being convicted enough to buy something when it's going down and everyone in the media is saying, run away from it. That's when you need to really have solid research to build your conviction to buy. Realize that there is someone on the other side of your order that thinks the stock is going down, which is why they're selling. And a stock 
goes down when there are more sellers than buyers. So you are naturally going against the grain to buy when it's falling than when it's rising. But that's how real returns are made, by buying when others are selling and then selling when others are buying, though I try not to sell. My point is you have to do your own due diligence and commit. Do what you want to do for your portfolio and then own the outcomes, whether they are terrible or great. Otherwise, and believe me, you will be happy with yourself if it goes up and you'll be pissed at whoever you listen to if it goes down. Okay, so going forward, I'll start sharing the dividend checks I've received for Disney, Pfizer, Home Depot, Chevron, Travelers, Goldman Sachs, and Starbucks until I start doing monthly portfolio updates listing all the dividends I've received in the previous month and any buys or sells that I've done. Please check out the timestamps if you want to jump straight to the portfolio section. That being said, please watch or listen to this whole video as it took mucho effort to create. Heck, just put it on in the background, I don't mind. Did you know that Fidelity is the largest institutional shareholder of Starbucks stock in the world at a 6.91% stake and 103 million shares owned? The largest individual shareholder is Howard Schultz, their former CEO. He owns 33 million shares directly and 1.7 million shares in trusts as of last year. That means he owns around $3 billion worth of Starbucks at today's prices. That's a lot more than my 305.1 shares. That also means that he gets over $50 million of passive income every year merely from holding the stock. Starbucks has over 30,000 stores spread across 76 countries, with about 8,500 of them in the U.S. They have around 300,000 employees and about half of them employed outside the United States, so truly a global brand and employer. During its 48 years of existence, Starbucks has grown to become the largest coffeehouse chain in the world in terms of revenue, generating more than 10 times the revenue of its closest competitor, Costa Coffee. Starbucks is a brand that people know about and trust. I love going to Starbucks when I'm out and about. The store atmosphere, the free Wi-Fi, the happy customers, the whole experience is brilliantly crafted to draw me in to sit down, get a nice cup of coffee and a snack, get on my laptop, and then make some awesome videos like this. Okay, let's look at their key competitors. Number one is Costa Coffee. They're the second largest coffee house in the world after Starbucks and the largest in the UK. It was founded in 1971 and has expanded to over 3,000 stores in over 30 countries. Now guess who just bought Costa? Well, Coca-Cola did and closed their acquisition this year in 2019. Who knew that Coke is a big competitor to Starbucks? Number two is McDonald's with their McCafe. I am McLovin. Number three is Dunkin' Donuts, which was founded in 1950 and operates in more than 35 countries and has around 12,000 restaurants. I'm going to use Dunkin' as a competitor to compare Starbucks against because I feel they are most like Dunkin' versus being like Coke or McDonald's. Now on to business. Starbucks is ranked 121 on the Fortune 500 of the largest public U.S. companies by revenue and has been on that list for 17 years. Dunkin' is not yet ranked on the list. Neither Starbucks nor Dunkin' are ranked on the Fortune Global 500. For reference, we see that the top 10 largest companies by revenue in the world are, in order, Walmart, Sinopec, Royal Dutch Shell, China National Petroleum, State Grid, Saudi Aramco, BP Exxon, Volkswagen, and Toyota. So 60% of the top 10 are oil companies, so it doesn't quite look like big oil is dead yet. I'm not dead! Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. Starbucks is ranked fifth on the Fortune 2019 World's Most Admired Companies list, a list they've been on for the last 12 years, and Dunkin' did not make the cut. 
That means that they've created a strong emotional connection with their customers, which is huge because it translates into growth. And Starbucks is ranked 35th on the 2019 Forbes World's Most Valuable Brands list, another list Duncan didn't make it on. Okay, now let's hear about Starbucks's history. Starbucks was founded by three friends, Jerry Baldwin, Zev Siegel, and Gordon Bowker, who all met in college at the University of San Francisco. They became partners after being inspired to sell high-quality coffee beans and equipment by Alfred Peet of Peet's Coffee, who taught them his style of roasting beans. They opened the first Starbucks in Seattle, Washington in 1971. Bowker, who owned an advertising agency at the time they formed, had a partner in his firm who thought that words beginning with st, st were powerful, so they brainstormed a list and decided on Starbo, which was a mining town in the Cascades. But then they switched it at the last moment to Starbucks, who was the name of the chief mate in Moby Dick. In 1984, they purchased Pete's, and by 1986, they had six stores in Seattle, so it took them 15 years to go from one store to six. Now, at this time, they weren't selling food or beverages, just beans and coffee equipment. Howard Schultz joined Starbucks as their director of marketing. While he was in Italy on a business trip, he saw that coffee bars existed on practically every street, and he noticed that these coffee bars were great meeting places for people in Italy. So when he got back to Seattle, he tried to get the three founders to start offering espressos and teas, but the owners didn't want to evolve their business into a restaurant-type operation. So supposedly Schultz got frustrated and quit in 1985 to start his own gig. He felt he needed about $400,000 in capital to open a new store, but he didn't have enough money, so Baldwin and Balker offered to help throw in some money, along with a doctor friend of Schultz's who was impressed by Schultz's energy to take a gamble. Howard Schultz opened his first store, and it was called Il Giornale, named after an Italian newspaper. The store offered coffee and ice cream and played opera music in the background to kind of feel Italian. Two years later, the original Starbucks management team decided to focus on Pete's coffee and tea and sold its Starbucks retail unit to Schultz for $3.8 million. So Schultz worked with some investors to get enough money, and then he purchased all of Starbucks assets and became CEO. He renamed Il Giornale to Starbucks and focused on growing quickly. He did not believe in franchising and made a point of having Starbucks retain ownership. By 1989, there were 46 Starbucks. In 1992, they went public. In 96, the first Starbucks outside of North America opened in Tokyo. In 2003, Starbucks purchased Seattle's Best Coffee, and in 2012, Starbucks purchased Tivana. At the end of 2016, Schultz announced that he would be turning over the CEO role to Kevin Johnson, who is their current CEO. Okay, let's look at some of their current business strategies. Starbucks' overriding objective is to grow at scale with focus and discipline and is enabled by three strategic priorities. Number one, accelerate growth in China and the US. Number two, expand global reach and number three, increase returns. Let's dive into their financials. There are four key areas I like to understand when I'm analyzing a business. Number one, is the company growing? Number two, can the company cover what it owes in the next year? Number three, do they have too much debt? Number four, how is their profitability? Let's start with number one. There are six main things I like to review when answering the question, is a company growing? Number one, is the revenue growing? Number two, are earnings growing? Number three is equity growing. Number four is cash flow growing. Number five is the dividend growing consistently over a decent period of time. And number six is the stock price growing over a decent period of time. So let's start with number one. Let's look at the revenue growth history for both Starbucks and Dunkin' using macrotrends.net. 
Starbucks gets over 80% of its revenue from their company-operated stores and about 10% from licensed stores, and then the final remaining percentage due to a variety of smaller areas. Licensed stores are places that sell Starbucks but aren't solely a Starbucks. So think of like a Starbucks you find in a Barnes & Noble or a Target or on military bases and such. Those are called licensed stores. The employees that work there are subject to the policies of the bigger company they're part of, which differ from Starbucks. So as I go through their financial metrics, I'll do some rounding. Starbucks annual revenue for 2018 was 25 billion, a 10% increase from 2017. For 2017, it was 22 billion, a 5% increase from 2016. And for 2016, it was 21 billion, an 11% increase from 2015. For Duncan, we see that their annual revenue from 2018 was 1.2 billion, a 3.6% increase from 2017. For 2017, it was 1.3 billion, a 2.2% increase from 2016. And for 2016, it was 1.2 billion, a 54% increase from 2015. Starbucks looks good here, with consecutive year-over-year -year increases of over 5%. Duncan looks decent as well, with a large increase in 2016 and then smaller ones in subsequent years. They are both averaging over 5% year-over-year for the last few years, which I like to see. Well, that's just great. Starbucks growth is coming from a variety of factors, including expansion in their global store base, improved retail comp sales, improved traffic, enhanced customer experience, new beverage innovation, and an expanding digital customer relationship. Their two key long-term growth markets, the U.S. and China, are both performing very well. Starbucks has over 3,000 stores in China, so it'll be interesting to see how trade tensions might impact their revenues in the world's second largest economy. They aim to operate 5,000 stores by 2021. Also, they're doing a variety of innovations to further fuel growth. For example, they're expanding their Starbucks Delivers program across the U.S. in early 2020 in partnership with Uber Eats. How crazy would that be to have a Starbucks delivered to you directly at home? Around three quarters of Starbucks revenue comes from beverage sales, 19% from food sales and the rest in merchandising and such. In terms of future growth in China, we see that they anticipate to continue to aggressively grow. So the Chinese market becomes increasingly important as their middle class continues to spend discretionary income on perks such as coffee and beverages. Let's watch this YouTube blurb from their new CEO, Kevin Johnson, who was on Kramer in December of 2018, and he talks about their performance and some go-forward estimates. We outline for investors a growth at scale strategy and agenda that is driving results. In terms of uh, the performance, you look at uh, last uh, fiscal year, fiscal year 18, we delivered 10% revenue growth and 17% growth in earnings per share. We reaffirmed FY19 guidance. We indicated that FY20 and 21 would be greater than 13% growth in EPS. And after that, we tempered the EPS growth rate to a 10% growth rate for long-term shareholder value creation. Okay, let's move on. Let's look at Starbucks net income trending over time and compare that to Duncan. Starbucks annual net income for 2018 was 4.5 billion, a 57% increase from 2017. For 2017, it was 2.9 billion, a 2.4% increase from 2016. And for 2016, it was 2.8 billion, a 2.2% increase from 2015. Duncan Brand's annual net income for 2018 was 0.23 billion, a 15% decline from 2017. Their net income for 2017 was 0.3 billion, a 55% increase from 2016. And their net income for 2016 was 0.18 billion, a 67% increase from 2015. So we see that Starbucks is on a nicer trend line than Duncan.
Number three of six is equity growing. Normally I like to look year over year, but I wanted to show Starbucks quarter over quarter equity change because these were the quarters where a lot of change happened. We see that debt has gone from six billion in 2018 to 11 billion in 2019. We also see that shareholders' equity went from about $4 billion in 2018 to minus $4.3 billion in 2019. So long-term debt has been growing significantly, which I don't like to see, and shareholders' equity is going negative, which I also don't like to see. Management is seemingly using debt to fund share buybacks. Eventually you have to pay down debt, and you do it with either cash flow or by issuing more shares, and I definitely don't want them to issue more shares. Okay, so number four of six is cash flow growing. To answer the question, is a company growing? So Starbucks was at 3.1 billion in 2016, 2.7 billion in 2017, and 9.9 .9 billion in 2018. Duncan was at 262 million in 2016, 262 million again in 2017, and 217 million in 2018. So Starbucks looks a lot more compelling here. All right, let's move on to number five of six, is the dividend growing consistently? One place that Starbucks doesn't excite me is in their dividend history simply not being that long, but over time that will self-correct, or it should. We see Starbucks dividend is $1.44 compared to Dunkin's at $1.50. Starbucks has an incredible three-year dividend compound annual growth rate of 25.3% to Dunkin's decent 9.5%. Starbucks's five-year dividend compound annual growth rate is another incredible amount at 24.5% relative to a decent 12.6% for Dunkin'. Starbucks doesn't have enough of a dividend history to have a 10-year dividend compound growth rate. Starbucks' current yield on the day I'm filming this is 1.68% and Dunkin's is 1.98%. So neither are going to be companies that you would invest in if you wanted cash flow now. Assuming they could keep their dividends growing as they have been, then we could see a year 5 yield of cost of 4.64% for Starbucks as compared to a 3.12% for Dunkin'. So not too exciting. However, at year 10, Starbucks would be at 12.86% compared to Dunkin' at 5.27%, so a good one for Starbucks. At year 15, it gets awesome, with Starbucks at being 36% compared to Dunkin' at 7.74%, and then at year 20, we see Starbucks at almost 100% yield on costs compared to Dunkin' at 12%. And I don't even want to talk about year 30 and 40 because it's so off the charts. They both have healthy payout ratios under 60%. So Starbucks blows Dunkin' Donuts out of the water for a dividend play. Let's look at what's going on with their share buybacks. Management has a capital return program for shareholders. Before the new CEO, Kevin Johnson, was in place, Starbucks had committed to return $15 billion to shareholders via buybacks and dividends through fiscal 2020. But clearly, Johnson wants to drive even more back to shareholders as he pushed to increase it up to $25 billion, which is an incredible amount considering their market cap is only around $100 billion. So it sounds pretty exciting to be an investor in them, one of the best businesses in the world, offering 10% plus returns when you look at dividends and buybacks. What else are you investing in that gives you 10% returns? Here we see that Starbucks has reduced their share count by 25% in the last five years, and Duncan has reduced theirs by 27%, so advantage Duncan, though they started from a smaller base. It's always important to understand how shareholder money is being allocated when you're evaluating a business, so I like to review buyback info like this. When stock price is low, buybacks can be a great way to return money to shareholders. That being said, I'm not a big fan of using debt to buy shares. And I don't want to see a double whammy of share buybacks with debt when the stock price is soaring. But sometimes you'll see management do that based on various incentive programs they have in place. And to me, that's what it looks like is happening at Starbucks. Buying shares with some debt at a time when the stock is a little bit expensive. That can only be sustainable for so long.
And that's my main concern. I'm worrying that management is using debt to finance buybacks, which I don't like to see. Sure, it can make earnings look decent, but it's not really necessarily the case. You end up pushing the balance sheet into areas I don't like to see, and at some point you'll get nailed. Finally, number six of six is the stock price growing over a decent period of time to help us answer the question, is a company growing? Let's look at total returns of Starbucks compared to Dunkin' and the S&P 500 over the last 20-ish years. So this data models what would have happened if you invested 10K into Starbucks, Dunkin', and Spy in 2010. The top shows dividends reinvested, the bottom is dividends not reinvested. What we see here is that your Dunkin' investment, which started at 10,000, would have ended at 32,600, which is over a 3x return. Your SPY investment would have ended at 26,600, about a 2.6x return, but your Starbucks investment would have grown to $87,000, an almost 9x return. So Starbucks's total return crushes the S&P 500 and Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, now onto the number two main item I like to look at when analyzing a business, which is if it can cover its short-term debt obligations. I like to use the current ratio to determine that. It is important to compare ratios in the same industry due to fluctuations in what is normal. Let's look at macro trends. A ratio higher than one indicates that a company will have a high chance of being able to pay off its shorter-term debt, whereas a ratio of less than one indicates a company may not be able to pay off its shorter-term debt. So the higher the ratio, the more liquid the company is. I like to see ratios between 1.5 and 3%. Here we see that Starbucks is at 1.31 and Dunkin' is at 1.6. Guru Focus tells us the industry median is 1 and that Starbucks is ranked higher than 64% of their competitors. So Starbucks and Dunkin' are both numerically above the industry median and should be able to cover their debt that is due within the next 12 months. The number 3 next main item I like to look at when I'm analyzing a business is if it has taken on too much debt using the debt to equity ratio. So these graphs came from macro trends. We see that in 2019, Starbucks debt to equity was negative 2.58 and Dunkin's was negative 5.18. We also see that Starbucks debt to equity is ranked higher than 95% of the companies in its industry and Dunkin' is ranked higher than 96% of them. We saw from our previous equity graph that shareholders' equity was negative, so it's not surprising to see negative numbers here given that debt to equity equals total liabilities divided by shareholders' equity. That's not good. That's not good. Okay, let's see if we think they can cover their interest payments. So let's see if EBIT is at a reasonable level. Looking at their latest EBITs, we see that Starbucks is at 3.87 billion and Dunkin' is at 0.43 billion. I normally like to see EBIT greater than or equal to three times net interest. I see both are over that, which implies that their interest payments are covered. Okay, number four, the final item I like to look at when analyzing a business is to understand their profitability. Let's look at return on assets to see how efficiently Starbucks and Duncan are squeezing profit from their assets. Return on assets is a measure of how well a company takes all the money it has and uses that to make more money. ROA is a metric which is used to calculate management's effectiveness to understand how much profit a company earns for every dollar of its assets. ROAs over 5% are generally what I look for. The higher the ROA, the higher the asset efficiency. Here we see that Starbucks' most recent ROA is 17.19% and Dunkin's is 6.57%, so Starbucks is a lot better than Dunkin'. Guru Focus tells us that Starbucks is ranked higher than 96% of its competitors and that Dunkin' is ranked higher than 71% of its competitors. So again, Starbucks is looking better. Okay, the last profitability metric we'll look at is net margin. I like net margin because it's a decent metric and just a single figure to gauge how effectively management is running the business. 
The net profit margins I like to see varies between business types. So some businesses run tight margins, like airlines, low-end retail, and grocery stores, who are often all under 3%. The financial industry and healthcare are often high-margin industries. I like to see solid net profit margins because that gives a business more optionality and durability to, to survive hard times. Here we see that Starbucks's net margin is at 13.63%, and Dunkin's is nicer at 17.15%, which is good. The industry median is only 2.31%, and Starbucks has a net margin higher than 92% of their competitors, so they're doing great, and Dunkin's does even better at 94% higher than all competitors. Alright, let's move from their financials to community involvement and charitable giving, and to their environmental, social, and governance work, along with any special entities they might support. Starbucks plans to donate 100% of all of their unsold food in America. We are going to feed millions of people as a result of this campaign and our ability to put really good food in the hands of people who unfortunately would have gone hungry through the night. And again, uh, uh, I'm not looking for any pat on the back. This is not about a marketing thing. All we're trying to do is, is advance the cause of people who, for one reason or another, uh, are being left behind, and in many ways being left behind because of failed leadership. How hard was it to get this done? And I ask because other major companies have done this in the past, Yum Brands, etc. There's often a lot yes. of regulation that holds up getting this yes. done. Uh, well, you're exactly right. There are, there are a lot of regulations, and I would say for the right reasons, because uh, uh, the, the municipalities are just trying to make sure that the food is safe to eat. And, uh, you know, I give credit to our own people as well, well as Food Life to uh, partner with us and navigate through this. And I can assure you that we've gone through the right uh, channels and we're going to do a great thing for all of these people. I think millions of people uh, just with, with one uh, stroke of, of, of just business acumen and doing the right thing are going to get food that they, that they would not have had uh, under normal circumstances. They also formed a charitable foundation of sorts in the late 90s to help strengthen their communities. They've given tens of millions of dollars to fund literacy programs, social development programs, youth programs, provide access to clean water, and have given massive amounts to various nonprofits. They have a variety of metrics they are driving towards to better enable sustainability, including to have 100% ethically sourced coffee, and they are currently at 99%, provide 100 million coffee trees to farmers by 2025, and they currently have provided over 30 million invest 50 million in farmer loans by 2020, and to train 200,000 coffee farmers by 2020. They're also looking to develop 100% compostable and recyclable cups by 2022, and to eliminate single-use straws worldwide by 2020. And finally, to build and operate 10,000 greener stores globally by 2025, to invest in 100% renewable energy by 2020, and to train 10,000 of their employees by 2020 through their Starbucks Global Academy to be green apron partners. Global Academy is a joint program with Arizona State University to enable free online education in a variety of subjects for their employees. In their latest annual report, they announced that they reached 100% gender and racial pay equity for their U.S. partners, which is their employees, for all those performing similar work, and that they're committed to achieving pay equity for the partners in company-operated markets globally. So it's always good to see progressive actions like that. They also have a strong commitment to supporting the people that are in or have been in our armed forces. They've committed to hiring 25,000 veterans and military spouses, which they did this year, 
and now are aspiring to hire another 5,000 annually going forward. Their commitment for the military expands beyond hiring. They are offering expanded benefits, including education opportunities. They also have opened over 60 Starbucks military family stores across the U.S. and plan to dedicate 70 more by 2022. These are places where veterans and military families can work, connect, and find transition guidance and information. I'd like to show you a brief video from Starbucks which highlights their commitment to belonging, inclusion, and diversity. Hi, I'm Taylor Yukawa, and I'm a recent graduate of RIT. I'm currently a financial analyst at Starbucks here in Seattle, Washington. As a finance major at RIT, I was required to complete a co-op. The NTID Center on Employment at RIT helped me locate a co-op. Starbucks had contacted NCE because they were looking to recruit deaf or hard of hearing students to work for them. Now let's move on to their executive leadership team. Here we see Starbucks top executives minus their CEO who I'll talk about shortly. So this is all their EVPs, presidents, and CEO positions. Starbucks has a variety of women and minorities holding the top ranks. The average tenure of their C-level execs is 10 years, which is about double the industry average, so great to see. Their current CEO is Kevin Johnson, who took over when Howard Schultz transitioned over to executive chairman. Kevin is a 10-year veteran of the company and has served in a variety of roles, including on the board of directors and as president and chief operating officer. Previously, he was CEO of Juniper Networks, a leading provider of high-performance networking products and services, and before that, he was president of Platforms and Services, um, a division in Microsoft. Prior to joining Microsoft in 1992, he worked as a consultant in IBM's Consulting and Systems Integration Division. He was elevated to CEO of Starbucks in April of 2017. Let's look at how Starbucks stock has done since he became CEO, which is a common way you can access CEOs of public companies. Here we see Starbucks in black, Spy in blue, and Duncan in purple. We see that Starbucks and Dunkin' outperformed the S&P 500 since 2017 by over doubling their returns. Starbucks has had a 69% return, Dunkin' a 59%, and Spy a 31%. So Mr. Johnson has done an incredible job at Starbucks. Bravo! Another great decision by Howard Schultz and the Starbucks Board of Directors. I wanted to share a slide from a 2019 investor presentation that talks to executive compensation. This information shows us that 90% of executive compensation is tied towards performance. What that means is if they hit certain targets, which might be things like share price, growth targets, etc., then they get compensated, much of which comes in the form of stock. Most companies reward a subset of their employees with either stock options or RSEs, which are called restricted stock units. The way options work is that you will be granted the option to acquire a certain amount of shares at a certain strike price, which is sometimes at a discount to whatever the share price is on the day they were initially granted. So let's say you join the company and are given 10,000 options of Starbucks stock at a 50% discount of Starbucks price. Those 10,000 shares usually vest over a period of time, let's say five years, such that in my example, you'd have the option to acquire 2,000 shares on each subsequent year until all were acquired. RSUs are stock that are basically equivalent to a cash bonus. RSUs are all gravy as there is no strike price. So you're just granted a certain amount of stock that vests on certain dates. That being said, I've personally seen people get burned on RSUs if they don't execute and sell as soon as they can. Tell me in the comments below if you'd like to see a video to learn about RSUs, or you can DM me on Instagram. I mean it, literally. 
at Starbucks, one of the metrics that their executives are measured against to determine whether they will get stock bonuses like RCs and options are based on hitting predefined EPS levels. So you can see that the execs have a financial incentive to do share buybacks. I'd love for them to have a financial incentive to become and maintain being a dividend risk crap, but I've never seen a board of directors incentivized that way. I would if I was on a board. Options and RSUs are how some people get wealthy in public companies. Okay, there are a variety of risks you need to be aware of that can impact a company like Starbucks, and I'll cover some of them. One big concern I have is that management is seemingly fueling buybacks with debt, which I don't like to see. It'd be different if the debt was being used for good investments, but given management is incentivized, in my opinion, to drive up EPS, and a way to do that is with buybacks acquired with debt, eh, like I said, I'm not a big fan of a leverage balance sheet. At some point, the chickens come home to roost, or however that saying goes. To put it another way, eventually it can bite shareholders on the ass. Another concern is that if we have a significant recession, then Starbucks could be negatively impacted. So let's see how Starbucks did in the last recession. Historically, a big indicator of a recession is following the transportation sector. When it goes down, everything goes down. We see Starbucks in black, Dunkin' in purple, and Spy in blue, and they all got hammered from 2007 to 2009, but then quickly recovered. And since then, Spy has been okay, Dunkin' has done great, and Starbucks has exploded up, better than all. Starbucks is highly reliant on consumer discretionary spending, so if the global economic markets turn south, then Starbucks does worse. If customers have less money, then they'll spend it less at places like Starbucks. One area that has me concerned recently is the Dow Jones transport sector. Here you can see it in black mapped against SPY in blue. The transport sector, which is trucking companies and trains and the like, often is an indicator for the broader markets. So if it's going down, then be wary. It reminds me of the S&P, just more volatile, higher highs and lower lows. And what worries me is that DJT has been testing a lower barrier multiple times recently. And in my experience, each time something tests a barrier, it increases the likelihood it will break through. And let me explain what's happening in the real world, not just what I see in the chart. Traders know the charts and what can happen. And then as more resistant levels get tested, the traders get antsy and start selling. And then the dominoes start falling and more and more people switch from being long to short in order to beat the potential train wreck. So what starts as a ripple can turn into a tsunami and we fall like a rock. Another index to watch for is the manufacturing industry, as they are also showing some cracks. But you can never predict recessions positively. Sure, we have inverted yield curves, we have Brexit, we have massive debt, but until it happens, you just won't know. I just know we are overdue for a massive correction and would, that would negatively impact Starbucks. Huge pullbacks then lead to job losses, which leads to less discretionary spending, which leads to less profits for a company like Starbucks. And then Starbucks can be further impacted by things like trade tensions in China. So we stop buying as much, they stop selling as much, and China gets impacted, which is the world's second largest economy. Now we have the world's two largest economies starting to fall, and then maybe the rest of the world falls as well. Speaking of China, another risk Starbucks faces in China is that Luckin has been challenging them for market share. Luckin Coffee has quickly become the second largest coffee chain in China after Starbucks. As of March, Luckin has opened 2,370 stores, mostly in office buildings, across 28 cities, and they've sold 90 million cups of coffee to more than 16.8 million customers, according to its official documents to investors. It recently IPO'd. Their goal is to have 4,500 stores throughout the country by the end of this year, surpassing Starbucks. So dig into that one a bit to see how concerned you should be. 
Another risk Starbucks could face is if they have an unexpected incident pertaining to their food or beverages, whether accidental or malicious. I think this would probably be a relatively minor impact because people love their Starbucks, but it would probably have some short-term implications based on the severity of the incident. Commodity price changes, for example in coffee, beans, and milk, can adversely impact them. Regulatory and tax changes could also impact them in a positive or negative way. Since about 70% of their revenue come from the Americas, then shortfalls there could impact their global top and bottom lines. That being said, they are increasingly dependent on the success of certain international markets in order to achieve their growth targets, so a slew of issues in those markets could impact their top and bottom lines. Adverse outcomes of litigation could also impact them. There is a lawsuit you might want to dig into called the Council for Education and Research on Toxics versus Bradbury LLC, which alleged that a bunch of defendants, Starbucks being one of them, failed to provide warnings on their coffee products of exposure to a particular chemical as is required under California Health and Safety Code. So, adverse outcomes of litigation could impact them. Unanticipated broad increases in real estate could negatively impact them. Severe bad weather could impact them, just from the production process all the way on out. Currency fluctuations could help or hinder them, given a material amount of their business isn't in North America. Tariff changes, economic sanctions, wars, and large political changes could impact them. As they've become more dependent on technology, then outages or cybersecurity incidents could negatively impact them. Finally, Starbucks has threats from companies like Dunkin', McDonald's, and Costa Coffee, amongst others. Anyways, those are some of the risks I thought of and I found in their 10K, but dig deeper into things if you are so inclined. So big question, is it worth buying at today's price? Let's look at a discounted cash flow calculator on Guru Focus to see what they say. Here we see the Starbucks stock price is at around $86 and its fair value is at $80, so it's a tad overpriced. Now you can go into that calculator and change the default assumptions to see how the fair value is impacted. So you can change the years of terminal growth or the discount rate you want to see or the terminal growth rate percentage or etc. Go check it out and play with it. We see that Duncan's share price is at around $75, but its fair value is around only $30, so it's overpriced. So according to this calculator, Starbucks looks better overall. Sometimes it's worth buying something if you feel like you want to push your portfolio allocation a certain way or you don't want to sit on the sidelines. All right, let's look at their PEs. The S&P 500 has around a 22 PE on average. Here we see that Starbucks has a 30.47 PE and a 27.86 forward PE. Duncan has a 27.81 PE and a 23.87 forward PE. So Duncan looks more compelling than Starbucks, but both look pricey. Let's look at what analysts are recommending in terms of buy, hold, sell the stock per market lot. So we see that for Starbucks, the majority is in the hold camp or in the buy camp, but there are no bears, which is telling. Nothing materially has changed in the last few months in terms of sentiment. When we look at Duncan, we see that there's a slight increase in bears, with the majority sitting on hold and some on buy. So I'm still a hold on Starbucks. I'm concerned with a variety of things, and that 30 PE is pretty high. I'm also concerned that a portion of the forward growth estimates come from China, which is difficult to estimate what will actually happen there. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Starbucks management is bullish, of course. In March, they reaffirmed ongoing revenue growth of 7-9% and EPS growth of at least 
They're also making investments into innovation, such as their $100 million investment into Valor Siren Ventures to spark innovation and new retail concepts. If I was a betting man, I'd say that someday Starbucks will be an aristocrat. So you'd want to buy them long before then, because that's when the masses will really start pouring in. So what do you think? Are you a bull or a bear on Starbucks? Are you going to buy, hold, or sell? Remember, I'm not a financial advisor, and you're responsible to determine what actions you take in your portfolio, such as buying and selling. I'd personally rather buy under $66, so I'll be a hold for now. But that's just my portfolio allocation, my risk tolerances, my beliefs about the potential, relative to everything else in my portfolio. So even though I'm a big fan, for now I'll just keep on visiting them as a splurge activity. Alright, let's go over my portfolio. So here's a copy of my stock portfolio where I've removed the first 17 positions and just have these eight. So let's zoom in. Let's see. Okay. So we here we have Starbucks. I have 305.1 shares. Today everything looks nice. And the Starbucks has gone up from where it was last year, which is why this is green. Current PE 25.56, forward PE 29. We see the dividend discount model doesn't work for it. It's in the retail industry. And currently with just these eight stocks listed, it's 15%, 15.78% of the portfolio. Let's see how the overall portfolio looks right now. So industrials take up 14.4%. Retail takes up 28.7%. Entertainment, 8.9%. Healthcare is 9.9, energy is 11.9, and financials are 26.2. So starting to get a little bit more interesting and relevant. And let's see, we have uh, annual dividend, $1.44. Dividend yield as of today is 1.68%. We see an awesome three-year dividend company annual growth rate of 25.3%. Five-year dividend company annual growth rate of 24.5%. Not enough history for the 10 and then we have a manual five-year dividend compound growth rate of 22.59%. So this is the one I calculated myself based on the data, and these are ones I pulled from websites. So we see that the average weighted five-year dividend compound growth rate is at 13.33%, and the average weighted dividend yield for the portfolio is 2.73%. We have $26,144 worth of Starbucks, and that brings the portfolio value for these eight stocks up to $165,570. We see that Starbucks drips $439 a year. So the these eight stocks so far drip $4,522 a year. Good payout ratio. And there are about nine years of consecutive dividend increases for Starbucks and no dividend cuts or delayed dividend increases. And we see the portfolio's average weighted years of increasing dividends is 13.64. Obviously we want to get that as high as possible. Beta on Starbucks is 0.54 and average weighted beta for the portfolio at 1.01. .01. I want to drive this under one and as the other positions come in you'll see how it'll evolve. About $103 billion market cap for, for Starbucks. 
Here we see Google Finance having a problem pulling back Goldman Sachs market data. All right, and then what we can do is we can look at the dividends that I've received. I haven't gotten any this month in these stocks that I've revealed so far, but I can show you where we are. So, and I blacked out some stocks and removed some stocks. So we see that in September, we got Traveler, Goldman Sachs, Home Depot, Chevron, and Pfizer. So that's the $755.65 we got in September. And then when we look at Q3, there's a copy where I've removed some of the stocks, but you can see that we have Starbucks in August and Caterpillar in August. And then in September, we got these and we got Disney's in July. So just for these stocks for this quarter um, or for the third quarter, which was July, August, and September, these are the dividends that paid out. All right. Thanks, guys. See you in the next video. Remember, I'm not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I'm only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments. Don't use this information without double checking it and talking to someone a lot smarter than me after you completely understand it. So I'll see you in the next video and remember to stay positive, patient, play for the long term, keep investing in great companies, budget reasonably, and win. I know you can do it. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. Just like I know you can hit the subscribe, like, and bell icons, share this video with others, and comment below.